What does it mean to be a normal Catholic? A normal Catholic. What is that? What's normal for us? Are we normal Catholics if we somehow manage to check the box off and get to Mass every single Sunday? If we brave those extremely long lines at the confessional, does that make us a normal Catholic if we try to do that every couple of months? If we generally try to be virtuous human beings, basically good people, is that what it means to be a normal Catholic? Or are we normal Catholics if we start off every day with a couple of our fathers and maybe a Hail Mary thrown in there? If we remember to say, bless us, O Lord, and and these thy gifts before every single time we eat, does that make us a normal Catholic? Or can we say that we're normal Catholics if we have a rosary hanging from our rearview window mirror? Is that that what it means to be a normal Catholic? Maybe, Maybe it's if we have a statue of Our Lady in the front yard. Or if we pray to St. Anthony every single time we lose our car keys. Does that make us normal Catholics? Now that's all very, very good stuff. That's all Catholic stuff. But I would like to propose to you all today what the scriptures and what our Catholic tradition, the fullness of our tradition, actually claims to be a normal Catholic like what a normal Catholic actually is. Are you ready for it? Okay. The normal Catholic is Jesus. That's right. Jesus is the normal Catholic. He's the standard. Everything that he does, the way that he thinks, the way that he loves, the way that he prays, the way that he engages evil, the way that he serves his disciples, the way that he speaks the truth, the way that he suffers, the way that he has that most profoundly intimate relationship with the Father. And yes, the way that he allows the supernatural to break into this world through signs and wonders, the way that he performs miracles. Believe it or not, That is all supposed to be normal for us Catholics. And that really raises the bar for us, right? If Jesus is the normal Catholic. In our gospel today, our Lord put it this way. Amen, amen, I say to you, whoever believes in me will do the works that I do. Wow, that is rather astonishing, isn't it? We'll do the works of Jesus? The same exact works, Jesus? Are you sure? Because, I mean, you raised the dead. You raised Lazarus from his tomb, Jesus. You multiplied bread for 5,000 people, over 5,000 people. You walked on water. Am I allowed to do that sort of stuff, Jesus? I mean, you're God. I'm not. Now that is all true, right? You're not God. I'm not God. But here's the incredible news. Every single Christian, by his or her baptism and confirmation, is an alter Christus, which is Latin for another Christ. What does Christ mean? Anointed one. 
in the incarnation, the eternal Son of God, submitted to the limitations of a true human nature while also retaining the fullness of his divinity. Jesus is true God and true man, right? Are we all on the same page so far? Jesus is true God and true man. He has the exact same human nature as we do. But then he was anointed at his baptism in the River Jordan by St. John the Baptist, and the Holy Spirit comes down upon him. The heavens open up, right? And the Holy Spirit descends upon him in the form of a dove. And from that moment on, Jesus' mission is set. His public ministry had begun. Remember how he inaugurated that ministry by marching into the synagogue, and he read from the prophet Isaiah these words. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring glad tidings to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, and to proclaim a year acceptable to the Lord. That's what Jesus was anointed to go out and do, to announce the kingdom and make it present for us. Think about it. If each one of us, by our baptism and confirmation, is an altar Christus, another Christ, another anointed one in Jesus, by his grace, then here's the reality. We've been anointed with that same exact Holy Spirit that fell upon Jesus at his baptism. This is what St. Peter is getting at in our beautiful second reading today. You are a chosen race, he says, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people of his own, so that you may announce the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wondrous light, his wonderful, wonderful light. You have each been anointed priest, prophet, and king at your baptism. You've been anointed with the same Holy Spirit that anointed Jesus. And so believe it or not, Christians are actually now empowered to go out and do what Jesus did. In fact, it's always Jesus doing it through us. We read at the end of Mark's gospel that after the resurrection of Jesus, they went forth and they preached everywhere, it says, while the Lord worked with them and confirmed the message by the signs that attended it. The Lord worked signs through his disciples. Now, what signs could those be? Well, thankfully, Jesus gave us the answer a little bit earlier. He said, these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will drive out demons. They will speak new languages. They will pick up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it will not harm them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Another way we could say this is that you will know that they are normal Catholics, normal Christians, because they'll be doing the things that Jesus did. They'll be doing the same exact works that Jesus did in his ministry. This isn't a thing of the past. Jesus is still working 
just as he always has. Jesus is just as alive as he always has been. Look at our Easter candle. Jesus is risen. It's still burning. Jesus is alive, and so this is not a thing of the past. But Christians have always struggled with this. Even in the early church, Pope St. Leo the Great, he's writing in the 400s, like 1,600 years ago. And he already has to say something like this. And so all that the Son of God did and taught for the world's reconciliation is not for us simply a matter of past history. Here and now, we experience his power at work among us. Even in the 400s, Pope St. Leo the Great has to remind people, this is not something that just belongs to the history books. This is still happening. Okay, let's take a deep breath. How are we feeling? Everybody all right? Okay. Jesus is the normal Catholic. That's very challenging for us, right? Especially today, when the supernatural is not normal. It's not normal to believe in the supernatural when we all sort of tend towards a more rationalistic version of even the Catholic faith, a faith that's not very scary to anyone because, well, we like to keep it very presentable to the unbelieving secular world. We don't want to be too supernatural because that might scare people. We like to keep our beliefs sort of very, very hyper-spiritualized, all very nice and neat and comfortable and, and invisible, all very safe, all very private. But the Christian faith is not a private faith. It's visible for a reason. The Son of God entered into this world and he became visible for us. The Word was made flesh and he dwelt among us visibly for a very, very important purpose. And that purpose is this, to make the Father known and to make the Father accessible to everyone. The face of Jesus reveals the face of our loving Father to us. He's the image of the invisible God, as one scripture puts it. And so when St. Philip today in our gospel says to Jesus, Master, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. Philip is getting right to the heart of everything. He's reaching for the whole meaning of the incarnation of Jesus He's reaching out for the meaning of our lives. Show us the Father's face, and that'll be enough. How much joy Jesus must have had in his heart at Philip's sincere desire to see the Father. And so the Lord's reply is all the more crucial for us to meditate on. He says this, He who has seen me has seen the Father. He who has seen me has seen the Father. All right, so given what we were just saying before, let's flesh that out. The Son of God entered our fallen world in order to reveal the Father to us. He who has seen me has seen the Father. And we have been baptized into Jesus' own life. He now lives inside of us. We've been anointed altar Christus, other Christ's. And so we are empowered to go out and do the same works of Jesus today. And so what that means is this. Whoever has seen Christians, whoever has seen normal Catholics doing normal Catholic things, has actually seen Jesus. 
And by extension, they have caught a glimpse of the Father. Now that is huge. That's what the church is supposed to be all about, announcing the presence of Jesus. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And if you ask me, if we want the whole world to be able to see that our faith is actually really true and actually really does satisfy the human heart's longing, then we need as a church to become more normal, if you will, and more comfortable with the supernatural being normal. Miraculous healings need to be just normal for us again. Prophecy needs to be normal for us. Spiritual warfare and deliverance needs to be just normal for us. The real supernatural life-transforming graces of the sacraments, most especially the most holy Eucharist, the real presence of our Lord, that all needs to be just normal for us, that we know there's something supernatural at work here in these visible signs giving us invisible graces. Because people are starving for this. Our secular world is so suffocating. It's led us to expect so little at times to ask for so little of God. But we were made for the supernatural. We were made to encounter the supernatural Lord of the universe, to love him and to rest in him alone. I actually really like what Father Matthias says on this uh, point. Father Matthias Thalen, he says this, Miracles, signs, and wonders are not the whole gospel, but the gospel isn't whole without them. That really strikes the right balance, I think. Signs and wonders, obviously miraculous things. So like when the sick person leaps up out of the wheelchair, when the cancer does disappear, when a devil is driven out, those sorts of obviously supernatural events, they are clearly not the entire message of the gospel. They aren't even really the heart of what we're preaching here. What we preach here is ultimately that Jesus has prepared a place for us in his heavenly father's mansions and that that will be where we dwell with him forever. But we still need to be clear that our proclamation of the gospel is not whole without those supernatural works happening, without those supernatural works being normal for us. It's not greedy, and it's not proud, and it's not presumptuous of us to ask our Father for them, because he is King of kings, and he is Lord of lords, and this supernatural stuff is no sweat for him. He loves us so much, and he wants to do great things, greater things than even what Jesus did in his earthly ministry. That's what the Lord said in our gospel, right? Whoever believes in me will do the works that I do and greater works than these. Mind-blowing. He wants to do that through us in order for us to declare and demonstrate his unconditional love. Maybe some of you have heard about the healing service that we're going to have on June 1st. That's, that's the heart of it. It's born out of this faith that, that what Jesus said is actually true. That he will do greater things through us than even he did in his earthly ministry. And so, go and be a normal Catholic. How about that? Is that okay? Go and be bold enough to be a normal Catholic. 
Go and do what Jesus did because he is still alive and he is still working through Christians, anointed ones, altar Christus. He's working through people just like you.